Hello, everybody. I am finally, finally, finally back after an unexpected hiatus, but I have a life. Sorry. I might be a little sick right now. I think the UFC is trying to take me out, trying to stop me from sharing my truths, poison me somehow. But the MMA Frequency is back. We're here. Uh, last episode was right before UFC 282. So, for one, I never got to talk about that horrible Patty Pimblet robbery. Uh, good for him. Got away clean as a whistle. I respect it. I main event uh was John Blackovitz versus Mega Man Ankle Life. I thought that he won, but I wasn't super baffled by a draw. Just kinda anticlimactic. I definitely didn't think Blackovitz won. I know that for sure. Leg kicks were cool though. Uh, however, just <laughs> incredibly funny and proof that the UFC just, just, the UFC does not care if their fighters live or die. If, if it was like a bag of gold coins and like, if they, if Dana White can only save like a bunch of his money or literally Anthony Smith from falling off a cliff, I, I know what he would grab. Uh, because when the fight ended in a draw and the belt went to nobody, <laughs> Uh, literally that night, they made a fight for the next pay-per-view. <laughs> it was Clover Teixeira, which makes sense. And then they just, they were like, okay, Rocket just hurt. The Blackowitz just fought. And Kalaev just fought. And Clover, and they just boop, 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 boop. Kept going down the rankings, kept going down the rankings. Got to Anthony Smith. And then skipped over and put Jamal Smith in the title fight. Incredibly funny. Incredibly funny. He, uh, Jamal Hill really didn't impress me in that fight, uh, but Glover kind of sold a little bit. His stamina was definitely a fault. He also barely got his offensive ref- wrestling going. Uh, in a historic quadrilogy, quadrilogy means four, Davidson Figueredo took four T left hooks. He was so baffled by the concept of a left hook that Brandon Moreno retained the flyweight title. Pretty fun fight regardless. Uh, we got cursed. It was two back-to-backs John Strickland main events. That's why I... I mean, these undercards. I have a life. And spending that much time researching guys without Wikipedia pages and, like, looking at the tape and, like, trying to make an opinion of their style just so I have something to say on this podcast that I do for fun. Uh, so, yeah. I got a little bit of workload built up on my plate. But... You can understand why these very, very uninspiring uh, cards for me to try and cover. Andre Muniz versus Brandon Allen. I'm literally not talking about a single fight from that card, even though it happened last last weekend, two weekends ago. Uh, that next pay-per-view, Islam versus Volk, was lovely. An incredible fight. Uh, I always consider doing a round-by-round breakdown for this podcast, but... Uh, Maybe later. Maybe maybe I'll do it as like a side project. But Volkanovski might have lost on the scorecards. But win in the streets. What a guy. Came in the head shorter than him. Tried to take him down. Uh, for what it's worse, essentially won the striking. Or at least put it in a neutral level for most of the fight. Oh. Oh. Alexander Volkanovski, you're a king. You're the guy. And also, Yair Rodriguez decided to become Charles Oliveira at age 30. Uh, that was moderately interesting. 
he looked really, really good on the ground, and he tapped out Josh Emmett. I was just surprised. I was <laughs> DC started talking. He was he started talking about the fighter meetings that you know he was like really working on his grappling, and I was like, I don't believe that. That's a lie. He's just he just learned this triangle, and that's it. But he won, so he looked he looked really, really good. He was actually doing dynamic stuff off of his back. Uh, there's been a lot of interesting stuff recently. I actually paid $10 for a KSW pay-per-view because Todd Duffy was coming back. And he looked, uh, I'm pretty sure he was roided to, to the stars and back, but he still looked horribly blown up and out of shape. Uh, Phil DeFreeze, I had no idea who this guy was, just some former UFC heavyweight making his chunk of change in Poland. Uh, but never really let the fight leave the bat. TK Odom, really embarrassing. Because I think, I guess the whole fight was promoted off of the fact that Todd Duffy beat this guy in, like, 2008. But <laughs> time has looked horribly unfavorably on Todd Duffy. The, there was a one card, a big one recently, one of the big fight nights. Uh, I feel like I'm not going to pronounce Tom and Chai's name correctly. But, oh, one shot, one kill, incredible uh, Muay Thai Boy way. Incredible featherweight Muay Thai title title defense. One leg kick, the guy crumpled, and the ref waved off the fight. Beautiful. Uh and then John Lineker uh fumbled the bag. This kid from Bishu Andraj looked really, really good. Uh no, he he looked really, really good. He deserved to win. It was a lot of great back and forth action on the feet and on the ground. But Lineker just wilted. It wasn't even like a gas tank thing really, like he just took too many hits. He just literally just broke down. Yaroslav Amoslav. Yaroslav Amoslav. Oh, Eastern Europe. Oh, my God. Uh, Amoslav came back to Bellator, fought Logan Storley, defended his welterweight title, put an absolute pace on the kid. Oh, nasty, 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 nasty. I'd never seen him fight before, but I will be tuning in for his next title defense. Uh, there was also... Uh, Bellator show last night. I had no idea. Uh, kind of crazy that I just talked to him at the Town Chai fight. But Michael Venom Page also got one a guy out of there with a one-shot, one-kill, leg-kick TKO. Uh, <laughs> the guy who fought Ryan Bader before Fedor, Linton Vassal, knocked him out in like one round. And I just saw this beautiful highlight in the main event. I don't know why Benson Henderson, maybe he won his last fight or something. It's, it's it's a scam. It's all a fraud. But Benson Henderson was challenging Usman Nurmagomedov somehow for that title. And, and Usman dropped the nastiest uh, question mark kick on him I've ever seen. Joked about a couple minutes later. Oh, That's just about everything I've missed coming into UFC 283. Uh, we are a combat sports podcast, so I could talk about Tommy Fury outboxing Jake Paul, but I will not talk about Tommy Fury outboxing Jake Paul. I'll just let it. I'll just let it linger in the air. I'll just let it hang there mysteriously. Uh, last weekend, UFC two eighty five. Uh, John Jones returning to heavyweight versus Ho 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 Sirongon, the Bed of Paris. Uh, 
couple of interesting ones. Uh, Derek Brunson and Drinkus Duplessis. Derek Brunson is a shitty gas tank merchant. He is the king of the shitty gas tank. And I mean, he had a great first round. He spent most of it on top of Drinkus. He's implementing his game plan. Been, I wouldn't go so far as to say beating him up. But he was winning the fight. Comes out in the second. Throws some big offense after the first minute. And you can already see him breezy with his mouse and holding his hands at his shoulders. And I was like, really? Really, dude? Ugh. And that horrible shoulder guard is what caused him to, like, two minutes into the second round. Right after he, he started to look gassed out, Drinkies Duplessis just hit him with three left hooks, essentially back-to-back-to-back, and just put him on ice skate for the rest of the round. Duplessis was also taking big cups of air, but after he hit Derek Brunson, he essentially just spent all of round two walking him down. He folded him right at the end and was just... Derek Brunson's quarter actually had to throw in the towel, because... Even though there's only one second left in the fight, it's just, it's just not worth it. It was terrible. And he was in no shape to walk out for that third round. <coughs> Sorry about that one. Uh, Cody Carbrandt went back to Pinnaweight. He fought Trevin Jones, who uh, just a completely unimpressive resume. Get right. Tune-up fight for Carbrandt. Completely obvious. Is what it is. Is what it says right there on the tin. Can't get, and like, it's a tune-up fight. Uh, he fought smart, did what he had to do to win a decision, uh, looked light on his feet, grappling was good, uh, t- touched the guy for three straight rounds, uh, one on one, one, two rounds. Uh, I just would not put too much stock into this win until I watch his next fight, because it's happened before. I forget, it was, uh,. It might have been the Asun Sal fight, but it maybe was guy fought after Asun Sal. There was like, oh, this is a new Cody. He's he's disciplined and he's really got it together, and he went right back to wing and hook. So, Ugh, we'll see. Uh, Bo Nickel fought Jamie Pickett. I have like a one sentence note here: feeding frenzy. Bo Nickel destroyed Jamie Pickett. Got him down with an easy takedown at the beginning of the round. Slapped on the choke. Good night. Goodbye. Get out of here. I mean, that's like it. <laughs> it was a fun. It's an arm triangle, but uh, it was it was a fun submission. It was just cool to see him slice through Jamie Pickett like that. But it really tells you absolutely nothing about Bo Nickel, where his skills are, his striking, like what he can do. <laughs> in that division really tells you you really have learned absolutely nothing from that fight it was just a cool spectacle you should uh, try to cut uh, some weight fight Patty Pimblet or something <laughs> uh, speaking of KSW this guy was a KSW champ uh, Matuj Gamrot fought Jalen Turner uh, this one was a banger I mean kind of uh, it was fun. I liked it. But Jalen Turner, huge dude, longer reach, the half a head taller than Gamrot. Uh, and his physical advantages were almost too much for Gamrot. But uh, he's just that. He's just that guy, bro. His his wrestling was just on that level. Was like the best guys in the division. So 
He was going deep into his bag of tricks to pull off those takedowns to get Jalen Turner to the ground, but he managed to... It was it was kind of crazy because Jalen Turner was just every time he every time he made any kind of like definitive hit or combination of Gamrot, he hurt Gamrot because he's he's just got that power like that. Jalen Turner is fucking massive, but uh, he managed to edge out a decision by grappling him, and hopefully Gamrot gets a some kind of title contending uh, push. Get some guy in the top five, maybe. Get him up there with the uh, lead of the division. I want to see him. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see how Oliveira and Darius plays out. Neil, uh, oh yeah, Gamera won. I mentioned that, yeah. Uh, Jeff Neal versus Shavkat Rachmanov. Banger. Capital. I, I wrote banger in my notes. I wrote banger here, but all caps. So I know, like, no, it's really, really good. Uh, the dynamics in this one kind of reminded me of Gamrot versus Turner from the fight right before it, because Shavkat was about a head taller and just carrying a bigger frame, so she's bullying Jeff Neal in the clinch all night long. Oh, Shavkat is crazy. I, I love the way he mixes his knees close and medium range. Uh, if, like, it's just such a good fuck-off weapon. If you're feeling uncomfortable, if the guy's getting too close to you, if he's throwing too much, you just you just grab him and you just launch one of those knees and it's just the perfect, like, hey, can you back off? Can you step back, please? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Uh, Jeff Neal was barely thrown to the body. Uh, and it was just it was just attritional because by the second round, Jeff Neal couldn't even give a good poker face when he took those knees or took, like, a flush body kick. Uh, the damage was just showing. Uh, I don't really know what to say. Jeff Neal did good for, like, I mean, that's the thing, is that Loki Gamera versus Turner was a little disappointing in terms of action. It was a good fight, but it was just a lot of, like, the mechanics. Uh, I was expecting this to be an execution. I was expecting Shavkat to just put Jeff Neal down super quick. So, uh, what a surprise that this ended up being the way more action-packed, uh, exciting fight. They were just going at each other the whole time, but... It was pretty clear by the second round who was leading the dance. Uh, and at the end of the third, Shafkat just connected with this straight right hand, this beautiful straight right, that it, it cracked Jeff Neal. And Jeff Neal, he stumbled. We all, if you've watched MMA long enough, you've seen it. He stumbled the kind of stumble that just, just betrays a deep physiological malfunction. Your body takes that strike and just starts to go like, no, no, no. Like, you just... It's literally... It's just... It's like rejecting what's happening. So, like, he just, like, does this awful, like, shudder step trying to shuffle away from him and Shafkat just rushes and slams him on the fence and starts beating on him for about half a minute. Beautiful got behind him, got the choke. It was a standing choke, no hooks, just the arm right behind, right under the chin. And the beautiful violent cherry on top was he just, he hooked his left leg over Neil's right leg. So he just, he just got some, like, it gave him some room to torque. He could just pull back on Jeff Neal. And Neal was going to, like, slip, slip out of the choke. And he just, just cranked on him. Just, yeah, Jeff Neal had no choice but to tap. Oh, I really love the way Shafkat manages his clinches. 
for one, from like the second that straight right landed at the end of the third round, he never let go of Jeff Neal. Never. He he ran up to him, hit a couple strikes, clinched with him, and from that, as soon as he made contact, he never let, it was, there was always one hand on him, which is like be- beautiful. Throw the strike, pull him back in, throw another strike, get the other hand on him, push him in that direction, throw the strike, and it's just, oh, it's beautiful. So like, not only was he walking him down the strikes, but he was also literally like, he wasn't standing super close for a clinch, but he was keeping his hands on Jeff Neal and keeping, like, he was keeping control on him. Ah, oh, it, was, it, was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stuff. And, yeah, he essentially spent, I said earlier that he spent the whole fight bullying Neal in the clinch, but it's just, it's, it's like his favorite tool. He loves to hit off the break. He loves to hit in the clinch. He loves to, like, He'll 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 move off of the clinch. He'll turn off of it in a way that he can just slip anything that comes back at him. Oh, incredible, incredible, incredible! Get this guy fight in the top five immediately. Let's see him fight like Colby Covington or something. Please. It was. I mean, he just he just never let go of Jeff Neal. Just that 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 right hand connected, and he just grabbed him, and like. Yeah, he was punching him, so now he walked back onto the fence, but he was, like, pushing him back onto the fence, too. Oh, so cool, so cool. The Cobain event. Well, well, well. How the turntables turn. Miss Valentina Shevchenko versus defending her flyweight title against Alexa Grasso. I thought Grasso actually did put, like, a decent performance on regardless. Uh... She stuck to the jab. She stuck to the one-two for Kelsey Range. If she wasn't throwing a strike at Shevchenko, she was not close to Shevchenko. She was out of the pocket. She was on her back foot. She was not even in the same zip code. Uh, But then that second round started, and I was like, wow, so great at managing distance, keeping Valentina on the edge, like hitting her, making sure she doesn't, like, never has any moment to, like, sit in comfort. And she just comes out and just immediately overthrows the right hand, and Valentina essentially, like, aim-botted onto a double leg, and I was like, oh, this fight is over. Oh, boy. <laughs> I just, I just, uh, she's just, just gonna, uh, she took her down again at the end of the round, then took her down in round three. I was like, I just, I saw the rest of the fight just extending out in, in my mind's eye, just Valentina taking her down, getting, like, a minute and a half to three minutes of control time every round, and just, just banking them, never really being in danger on the feet again, and just winning an easy, boring decision. And then, at the end of round four, they were kind of just standing there in the middle of the octagon, pawing at each other, and Valentina pulled out the Valentina special. No setup, straight flush, like, no concealment, just through a naked spinning body kick, no feint, no nothing. And she started to spin about a foot closer to Alexa than she should have ordinarily is just be a bad Valentina kick. It's just an ugly spin that just goes nowhere and she goes flying around and maybe she takes some damage or maybe she gets clinched with or maybe even gets taken down off of that. But Alexa Grasso specifically trained this specific back take and good for her because Valentina spun and Grasso spider monkey just immediately jumped up on her back, uh, took her to the ground, and 
seven title defenses up. Gone like tears and rain. She got the choke. She, the, the title rain ended the rear naked choke so tight it looked like it could have like stripped the paint off of like a wall. Her, her, her the blood in her face was getting like pushed to her fore, forehead. When the grassman took, took, like separated the choke, half of Shevchenko's face was white. Wild. Oh, Valentina, why are you the way you are? Decent fight. Oh, and the main event. I didn't want to talk about it at the top of the show. Because it was just, just... I don't like the guy. Oh, how dare you? You're going to talk bad on the man of Paris. Yes, I am. He was terrible. 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 I'm starting to think that maybe this guy just can't defend the takedown. Ugh. Because the first thing he threw was a strike that would have put him in range and taken down. And then, like, the second thing he threw was an accidental kick to the balls. It was just, Cyril Gaunt had a disastrous night at the office Jones took him down. Gone immediately turned over to give him his back and tried to crawl to the fence. What are you doing? Ugh. Jones just, like, he had him seated up against the fence and he sat up on him. And he was just pushing his head down and pressuring him. And just pressuring him and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And then he finally slipped the hand down and got underneath the chin. And then when he put the squeeze on again, it became a choke and gone tapped out. Uh, rest in peace, heavy. That's two like blighted divisions now in this company. That just like two sixty five is over. Had lightweight was Islam. That division's over. Heavyweight also over. Done. Cooked. John Jones. Oh, can you? What? Oh, oh, he's gonna fight Sergey Spivak. Oh, Sergey Spivak. Oh. Oh, Sergei Spence. Ooh, Martian Tibura. No, no, no. He's he's going to beat him for a while. And that was like, I, I watched the Reyes and the Santos fights to prep for this one. He looked terrible in the Santos fight. He it, didn't do anything. He did like, there were moments where Santos like slipped on the ground right in front of him and Jones didn't take it. Like Jones didn't take like get on top of him. I, like, everybody just thought that he couldn't wrestle anymore. Serves me right for, I'm glad this episode was, I'm glad I didn't put it out last week, because I would have said that he wasn't going to wrestle, and I would have looked like a clown. Uh, I don't know, maybe he, like, pops for steroids, or, like, he fucking drives a car into, like, a fire station or something, or, like, I don't know, like, waves a gun at a child. And she gets stripped of the belt, and we can just all forget about this. But and as Stipe, what Stipe is like forty-seven years old or something like that. Ugh! If 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 we could go in like a time machine and pull the Stipe Miocic from twenty sixteen into the future and have him fight Jones, I'd be like, yeah. But that was they. It's they announced that that's going down to International Fight Week. Ugh! Zero gone. Ooh. Oh, bonjour, my, you are, pour say, oh, ter terribly, terrible, 
Terrible, sur terrible. That was that. But, no news this week. We've got a special segment instead. I never did an award show. The Frequency Awards. 22. <laughs> all right, uh, I've I've got a couple ones. I, I I wrote a little paragraph for each one, and I'll just go down the line right now. Uh, my first one for knockout of the year it was Leon Edwards versus Kamaru Usman. What else could it have been, folks? His literal last minute head kick on Usman was picture perfect, well set trap, incredibly well realized. Uh, Usman had a fifteen fight win streak off of five title offenses and was decisively on his way to win three, four rounds before Leon knocked him out. It was a picture-perfect head kick, and those circumstances of the incredibly dominant reign and the singular nature of the one-shot head kick KO is uh, personally why I think it's elevated me to this one being knockout of the year over, say, like Pereira's hook on Izzy or something like that. Uh, knockout of the year. Leon Edwards, congratulations. Now, here's a little... <laughs> Joseph Dolan... Special made category, fraud of the year. And the winner is Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler, I dislike him. He's always come off of as extremely fraudulent to me. So I was very pleased that in 2022, we got to see all of his deficiencies. Uh, he spent most of the beginning of 2022 angling for a fight with a decrepit corpse of Tony Ferguson, which anybody with a brain could have seen in the way that he was talking up Tony's legacy and skills, calling him dangerous was an attempt to make the UFC's bloated ranking system seem legitimate by treating Tony's number seven ranking as some objective statement of fact instead of uh, fiction. He was trying to, after losing to Gaethje, after losing to Oliveira, trying to jump right back to the front of the line and somehow still managed to lose the first round of that fight of the feet before, yes, he got the very unique, flashy front kick knockout. But come on, that's fraud behavior. That's fraud behavior, trying to... Lift yourself up off of this guy who very clearly has no skills anymore. Where is, like, the, 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 the fighter's... Where's the Bushido code, Michael Chandler? Ugh. And then after that, uh, angling for a fight, uh, trying to settle on another stylistic matchup before just deciding on Dustin Poirier. Uh, we got to see his gas tank run out of him as his classic. Uh... Big firefight in the first round, and then he spent most of the second just just laying on top of Dustin, his energy wasting away for five straight minutes, doing nothing dangerous, doing nothing explosive. Uh, and then he got choked out in the third round. Uh, I gotta say, for the way that he's covered in the grander media, these ESPN frauds, the way that he's held up, in, like, the general eyes of, like, the fan base. Guy's a fraud. He's a fraud. He's not as good as these people say he is. He's not that good. Let me just... I, I, mean, I mean, like... I, the... The hooker win, very legit. That's his, like, trademark win, is the blitz. And then he beat Tony Ferguson. Other, he's 2-3 and three in the UFC. Ugh. Before I make this, this, this whole fight, or this whole, uh podcast into anti-Michael Chandler's greed. On to the next one. 
submission of the year, Jessica Andrade versus Amanda Lemos. Uh, we all know that Jessica Andrade is really good at fighting, but sometimes it's important to see a little reminder because Amanda Lemos is really good. After this fight, uh, she's proven that she belongs. She can hang in the top five in women's strawweight. She had two straight finishes after losing to Andrade, but oh, this submission was just ridiculous. It was just nasty, just un uncanny stuff. Uh, one like. This was over like three minutes or something. Andrade essentially just marched straight up against the octagon, uh, or just straight across the octagon, corded Lemos up against the fence, clinched, and just slapped on a standing arm triangle. That squeeze was so intense it literally looked like she was picking her up off of the ground. Ugh. great, great stuff. Uh, pretty clearly, uh, head and shoulders, or should I say? Head and arm, <laughs> get it? Just head and arm joke. Uh, above the other statement submissions of the year, the only really close one is that that nasty squeeze that is on Pedro Charles Oliveira. But uh, this is a democracy. I pick who wins. Next, we've got comeback of the year: Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Uh, Mighty Mouse's entire tenure at one has been viewed with extreme skepticism held under the microscope, uh, generally hated on. So when he lost decisively uh, to Adriano Marias last year, or two years ago now, April 2021, the the, the the critics were falling over themselves to declare that uh, Mighty Mouse was over the hill. He had finally lost it. Ex-goat. He's 34 years old. He's old. Uh, his mistake. Can't hang it up with 135 pounders. You're washed. But... He came back in this fight against uh, Adriano Marias and had an incredible, gritty outing and managed to reclaim the uh, belt after four rounds. The rules, like, uh, Demetrius Johnson always talks about the, the rule set differences, one, and, like, why he likes them so much. And he was, after the fight, every and the, the haters tried to get, like, big dunks on him because he got flatlined in the finishing sequence against Marias by a legal grounded knee strike. It was legal in one, would have been illegal in the UFC. But in order to shut up all the haters yet again, uh, well, for one, the actual fight, like, very, very good across four rounds, just kind of wore him down. Uh, but Johnson served up a double jab and then just hit this incredible lunging standing knee it looked like it, it. It looked like a Tekken move to knock out Marias. But the best part is that all of the chatter about oh, legal knees, legal knees, grounded, non-grounded, entire finishing sequence there with the knee, the the straight up revenge on the knee, UFC legal. The, the dude was standing when he got hit. Great stuff. Great, 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 great stuff. And then I've got a little distinction here. So. Comeback of the year, it's for fighters. Obviously, uh, from year to year, uh, if you've had a bad year and you do well, if you've been gone for a while and you win your first fight, etc., etc. So, Mighty Mouse lost his last fight, or lost two fights ago, won this one. It's a great comeback story. But, in-fight comeback of the year, this one is self-explanatory. And the winner of this one, Matt Chanel. Awesome fight. I actually got to see live. I was at UFC Long Island last year, but uh, he knocked out, or sorry, 
choked out Subaru Derji. Uh, great, great, great fight. Back and forth action, but... <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. But great back and forth action between Chanel and uh, Sumadej. Uh, rocking each other on the feet the whole first round. But the second round, it, that's crazy also that the entire comeback story is really happens within five minutes. Because within five, the, the second round, uh, she took advantage, started beating him up, started knocking him around the ring, hit him with a series of beautiful, beautiful elbows that just... I thought he was cooked. Uh, and then, right before the end of the round, Metchnell started coming back, hit him with a beautiful straight right, uh, got him with a takedown, mounted him, beat him up, beat him up, beat him up, and eventually, after a lot of on-the-ground positioning, managed to get himself a beautiful triangle. Tapped him out. Uh, I was there. I was watching it. Schnell looked like he was about to keel over at any second and ended up winning the fight. Incredible in-fight comeback. Here's a prestigious one. Fight of the year. Glover Teixeira versus Yuri Prokoska. What else is it going to be? Uh, 25 minutes of incredibly high-level grappling and just maybe not super high-level striking, but just two dudes walloping the hell out of each other on the feet. It's an incredible story, too. Like, tie game going into the fifth round. Glover going to pull off the win before the last-minute submission by Yuri. Uh, just, just, just fighting spirit in, in spades by both of the guys. Uh, both of them were willing to take one, to give one. Uh, great, great, great fight. Fight of the year. And then our last two awards, 2022's Best Male Fighter. Alexander Volkanovsky. Congratulations. 2022, 2022, undeniably the year of Volkanovsky. Getting better and better with each title defense, but in his last two fights last year, it's it's kind of funny. If this had come out when it was supposed to, uh, this award would feel way less corny because he did just lose to Islam, but doesn't matter. 2022, regardless of what happened this year, 2022 was his year. So, just, uh, just head and shoulders above the rest of Featherweight. Uh, the Korean zombie fight was almost painful to watch. Uh, Volk broke him down in every single way. The defense was impeccable, offense was crisp, and just... And honestly, they should have waved it off after the third round, but they stopped it in the middle of the fourth because TK, TKZ was eventually just a punching back. Was, I, don't, I don't even like talking about that fight, but it was just incredible performance by Volk. And then both fights against Holloway were good performances for Volkanovski. Like, even the second one that people think he lost, it's still a close decision. It's still a good performance. So... Those were good, but that third fight against Max closed the door of the trilogy, closed the door on the rivalry in spectacular fashion. Uh, it would have impressed if he knocked him out. Yeah, but like, Max Holloway is no Korean zombie. Wokonofsky completely dis dismantled him across five rounds, uh, bloodied him up. Like, Max showed more damage in that fight than I think he's really shown in like, any of his UFC fights. He didn't even wear that much damage when he lost to Dustin Poirier. Uh, Volk just kind of proved that, like, I guess Holloway hit his limit for learning. I would I would have to watch that fight more closely to break down for you in this moment all of the, the things that, like, 
the specific things he did to win, but uh, Volk broke him down, closed the door on the biggest rivalry of his career, one of the best rivalries of like the last five years, uh, in incredibly impressive fashion. Two statement wins that year, two title defenses, 2022, the year of the Volkanovsky, for certain. And then our last, last but not least, certainly not least, for the Frequency Awards, best 2022's best female fighter, Zhang Weili. Coming off of the worst year of her career, she blew the doors off at the top of the mountain at strawweight in truly glorious fashion. Uh, closed the book on Yuana Zhezhekek's career with this nasty, might I tell you, nasty spinning backfist. And then she just ripped up Carlos Esparza, like lion ripping up a deer. Incredible stuff. Uh, recovered her title with a dominant win, got her on the ground, beat her up, tapped her out. And impressive stuff happened, like Juliana Pena. Well, I guess that was 2021, but like, Impressive stuff happens in these divisions all the time. You could just arbitrarily have given the, the, the gold trophy to Shevchenko every single year she had been champ before this one, if you wanted to be like pedantic. But I truly do believe that no woman had a year as dominant as uh, Whaley in 2022. That's it. Hopefully you like these. Hopefully you agree with all my picks. Uh, sorry for serving up the 2022 award show three months into 2023, but uh, you don't listen for punctuality. Uh, the show is not yet over. I know we're running super, super long, but there's a fight night that's uh, not only this weekend, it's actually technically like tonight as I'm recording this. So I'm just going to run down five fights from the main card of UFC Fight Night, Jan versus Demolish Philly. Uh, we've actually got one prelim on here. Jesus, just... Stepping all over my words today, but Rafael Asuncao is fighting Davy Grant. Uh, Rafael Asuncao, really, really good fighter. Used to be one of the top dogs at 135, but he had a recent, like, massive losing streak that essentially everybody kind of thought that he was completely washed. But he did lose to a killer's row. Like, yeah, I mean, like, Sand Hagen, Ricky Simone, Marlon Marias before he, he got washed. Uh... But he did come back with a win over Victor Henry and looked really, really sharp. But on the other hand, Davy Grant, like, he's still absolutely in the mix versus Asuncao, who's just story, career, physicality is probably in a very, very different place. Uh, Grant's a really, really sharp kickboxer, and he's got big power. He's not afraid to throw the big power. He actually knocked out Jonathan Martinez, who was fighting on the main guard. Uh, he dropped two to Chito Vera and Adrian Yanez recently, but, like... He's not. He's firmly in the mix at 135. It's kind of an old man battle because the Sun Sao is 40 and Grant is 37. But, like, it's just so different. The Sun Sao feels over the hill and Grant feels current. Uh, if, like, the durability and the cardio come into play, I'm going to say that the Sun Sao's lost his more than Grant's lost his. And it feels like Grant hasn't lost much. Uh I'd, I'd favor David Grant in this one. Uh, Jonathan Martinez versus Saeed Medov. Saeed, unrelated to the family. Uh, I think I finally understand. Umar and Usman are cousins, and they're brothers. And then Abubakar is a different cousin, and Islam 
is not related at all, but was trained by a, his dad. And Saeed, Saeed doesn't train with him at all. They're just friends. But uh, his wrestling is definitely cut from the same cloth. Uh, great, great grappler. He's also not afraid to strike. Uh, Chain is the takedown start together with strikes to eventually get somebody to the ground. He's patient like that. Uh, Jonathan Martinez is an interesting fighter. He's very sharp, tactical, like good hands. But uh, I saw very, very little grappling from Martinez in, in, in the tape that I reviewed for this fight. Uh, and uh, Nurmagomedov, he did lose to Aoni Barcelos, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Once again, I'd, I'd probably put this at Saeed Nurmagomedov at a, at a wash, like a total wash I'd put it at, but I'm not committed to anything. Nikita Krilov versus Ryan Spann. This fight was rebooked and stranded us with a Andre Muniz versus Brandon Brendan Allen main event. Ugh. But uh, my it's also at two fifteen now instead of two o five because something seriously wrong with Nikita Krylov. But uh, at the event, he's apparently clear to fight now somehow. But my my prognostication is exactly the same as it was a few weeks back. Boring, Nikita Krylov. Massive zero for me. I'm sorry, but knocking out the corpse of Alexander Gustafsson and decisioning Vulcan recently are not going to convince me that you're worth watching or that you're even good. Honestly, in terms of, like, literal skill, like, definitely resume, and, like, you call him, like, oh, he just throws hands, he just swings hooks, but I might rate Ryan Spann higher than Nikita Krylov, even though his signature win is a knockout against, like, the the cardboard cutout formerly known as Dominic Reyes. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd say Span wins, but light heavyweight is so stupid. You never know what's going to happen, and maybe Krilov just flops on him and gets him with a lucky hook. Another just zero fight in the co-main event. Uh, Alex Volkov versus... Oh, wait, are they both named Alex? Jesus. Russians, man. Uh, Alexander Volkov versus Alexander Romanov. Uh, this fight might cook, but it also probably won't. Uh, he's another one of these massive Eastern European heavyweights, Romanov. who swing big, hit hard. He's cut from the same Sergei Pavlovich, Sergei Spivak cloth. He does do a little bit of grappling, so maybe there's an advantage, some possibility for an advantage on the ground for Romanov. I don't really see any way he's winning the striking battle. Volkov... Volkov is better than him. And Romanov is literally coming off of dropping the decision to Marching Tybura. I feel like, however, like him getting Volkov down and crucifixing him is the funniest possible outcome. Doing like a... Like an Americana or something. So it will happen. Mark my words. And then the main event. This is going to be a banger. Uh... Jan is supposedly still a great grappler, but I, I have not really seen him rise to the occasion on the ground. He he did like those two fights with Magomed Magomedov, great fights, lots of grappling. Jan looked awesome. Uh, I don't know. He's got incredible counter wrestling, but it comes to actual positioning on the ground. I feel like he's beatable. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I feel like 
maybe Pyotrion is simpler than we're all thinking. And like all of the Yon fans being like, oh, the, the complicated inner mechanics of how Yon fights are too, they're too epic for your mortal, your mortal mind. Okay. Maybe. But add to the fact that Morab is in Alta's camp, they have like almost 50 minutes of tape on Yon. And, like, I don't know, maybe they figured out some kind of way from Rob to just get to the fight easier, or, like, some weakness got on the ground. Maybe they're investing in the cage, like, that kind of stuff. But Rob has, has absolutely had five-round cardio from the jump, from the beginning of his career. Uh, Jan has decent cardio, too, so these two guys are probably going to stay, like, fresh across all five rounds. But, like, Jan was really challenged by striking pressure from Sean O'Malley. So I'm wondering if Morab can actually, like, do use grappling pressure in the same way. And, like, it all depends on how good Jan is at defending the takedown situationally. But I've seen, like, I've thinking of the John Dodson fight here. That's one where, like, even John Don Dodson's great takedown defense, uh, Morab's grappling pressure still won him the fight, and he eventually broke Dodson down. Realistically, I just have to say that Jan is a better option here. He's definitely going to outstrike Morab. I don't know if... Definitely gonna outstrike Marab. Who knows? But uh, ugh, I yeah, I'd have to say that Jan, like holistically, should be the better option here. I thought that Jan was gonna win from the moment they made this fight, but like, Marab is really, really good. Guys, 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 a savage. Uh, and I mean, Jan should win. You know, as long as he doesn't throw a, a legal grounded knee to the head. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> alright folks that's everything for today I'm actually going to be back next week because these fights are actually exciting and I'm going to actually have a reason to talk about them let's go but that's everything I have for now I've given my flowers handed out my gold trophies and awards I've previewed uh, hopefully if you if you want to listen to this and preview the fight card that's happening tonight uh, feel free but this has been the MMA Frequency. I'm Joseph Dolan. Ta-ta.